The truth can be ugly. But as a taxpaying citizen, you have the right to know what is happening in your government. For your ticket to the undisclosed news, stories, and information ignored by big media, this is Backroom Access with your host, Jeff Kaysen. Jeff Kaysen. Hello, friends and patriots, and welcome to another episode of Backroom Access. I'm your host, Jeff Kaysen, and this week, we're having back a former guest on the show to bring us an update on their group's recent activity. But before we go there, I want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Texas Scorecard. Texas Scorecard is an amazing group of pro-liberty patriots bringing you trustworthy news that you can count on every day of the week. Check them out at texasscorecard.com. Well, this week's guest joined us in October last year to discuss the state of affairs in our Texas public schools. And she's back this week to bring us an important update on their latest initiative, regarding Texas school children. It's great to welcome Melissa Beckett with Texas Education 911 Back to Backroom Access. Melissa, how are you today? I'm doing great with the exception of we don't have a lot of power up here in East Texas, but I am in, a, in someone's home that does have power. Well, that's wonderful. I know you guys had some storms over there last week, and I've watched that on the news. And uh, it's always a bad thing this time of year when the power goes out and the ACs aren't running. But I'm glad at least you're somewhere where hopefully it's cooler uh, than it is at it home. Is. So, well, hey, uh, glad to have you back. Uh, here at Backroom Access. We talked about nine months ago, and it was uh, the first episode in October of last year, and uh, that was Our Texas Schools Broken, and, and we talked a little bit about our Texas schools and and um, a group of parents that uh, you're part of and helping to lead that uh, basically have been pretty frustrated with the things that are going on in our public schools, and you got involved in the... Uh, uh, convention down in uh, Houston, and uh, you guys have done a lot of work. Well, as I've stated in a recent episode here at Backroom Access, uh, one of the things I like to do is I like to notice things, and um, I like to convey what I notice to my listening audience, and I just noticed that you guys have come up with a new initiative here at Texas Education 911, and it's called Champion a Child Project. And I think based on everything I've noticed here and seen, you guys launched that uh, here recently this month in June. Uh, share with us what this is all about. Yeah, basically, um, this was our first legislative session as parents to really kind of step into the process. Like you mentioned, first time going to convention, first time going to the Capitol, talking to our legislators. And it was a generally frustrating process, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, you think you're going to show up and you're going to say, hey, we're the parents. We know what's going on in the schools. And, you know, here's the mess that we have in all different kinds of ways and different departments, and we need your help. And in addition to that, we showed up with solutions. We showed up with 
bill language and sample bills. And there were some incredible legislators who actually filed those bills for us um, and or listened and said, yes, we need to do that, file the bills. But the bills didn't go anywhere. And um, with the exception of you know, HB 900, which we did not help craft, um, that was um, we supported the process. But that was another awesome group of parents and community members who did that. With the exception of the library book bill, HB 900 by Patterson, none of the legislation that parents really wanted made it through the process at all. Um, if it made it through the process, it never made it for a final vote. And so we we left session and looked at each other and said. We can't wait two more years for the legislators to do what needs to be done. Our schools are in such disarray. We are we are truly in an emergency. That's where the name Texas Education 911 came from, is we really wanted the legislators to understand this is an emergency. Like we need to do drastic things right now. And with the exception of the library book bill, nothing drastic was done. And none of the problems that parents had identified were actually addressed. And so um, what we needed to do was we wanted to convey to the legislators that, hey, guess what? We're not done. We have way too much work to do. We can't wait the two years. And it's expected that Governor Abbott is going to call a special session related to education and specifically school choice, which we do not take a position on school choice. Uh, but our hope is that the, when it's called, that the definition will be wide enough to include things related to improving our public schools. And specifically, we want a parent ombudsman. Um, an ombudsman is basically an investigative arm um, that makes sure that our schools are following the laws and whether it be federal law, um, due process rights, you know, just our basic rights as human beings um, or the education code. And um, that we desperately need that. We have examples all across the state, multiple examples of children whose rights are not being upheld, parents whose rights are being violated, and school districts who are literally um, just ignoring the law. Um, they're literally kind of giving the finger <laughs> to the law um, and to the parents. And so we wanted to make sure that the legislators understood that. And so the good thing about um, how connected we are to what's happening across the state is that people often will call, whether it be asking for help or um, just telling us what's going on in their school district or with their child. And so on, constantly stories are coming in um, from different ISDs across the state. And so it didn't take very long for us to put together um, these examples. And what we did was uh, for this Champion a Child project, which we launched on June 12th, so just about 10 days ago, we took each Senate district, and so for all 31 Senate districts and those senators, we assigned each of those senators a child and a child's story about what is happening with them in their school district, um, the travesties that are taking place. And then the 32nd one is for the lieutenant governor. We picked one for him, and we are asking the senators effectively to ask the governor to define the special session in a way to include public school emergency items, including a parent ombudsman. And so these stories, they are, they're heartbreaking. They're, um, they're just, they're, they're ridiculous that this is happening not only in the United States, but in the state of Texas, where we should have, first of all, liberty, second, due process, and third, the freedom of a parent to be in charge of a child's education. And um, the examples posted them on our website under the under Champion a Child, and we're posting them on social media. Um, they're they're just. I, they're, I mean, I'm honestly 
speechless when it comes to talking about some of these cases because you read them and you think, are, are we in a third world country? How on earth is this America where um, you know these kids are being harmed? We have kids that are uh, being punished for bullying someone when they actually didn't bully anybody. And they've been bullied over and over again. It's been documented. And when they finally stand up to protect themselves, it's that victim that's getting punished. And they're being put in what's called discipline alternative education placement. And that's supposed to be where the kids go that all other means have failed. You know, we've tried other forms of discipline and positive reinforcement, and they are a danger to either themselves, the teachers, or other students. And so they have to be placed someplace else, and that way they can still get an education. Well, we have seven examples in these 32 stories of kids who are being placed in this DAEP, Discipline Alternative Education Placement, and they either didn't do anything wrong and were totally set up and there's no evidence, there was no due process to keep them from going through this, um, or they did something that was so minor that it really should have been um, positive reinforcement, um, in-school suspension, lunch detention, those kinds of things, and they went straight to DAEP. Um, or we have circumstances where the victim is actually the one that is going to DAEP and the aggressor is still in the classroom. And then in addition to that, we have sexual assaults that are taking place and the person who is the perpetrator, the kid who is the perpetrator, is being put right back in the same classroom with the child that he, assault, he or she assaulted. And the school's saying, but it only happened once. And as a parent, you're just mortified. How on earth do you think that's acceptable? Um, and so time after time again, these are not unique stories. They're, they're tragic, but they're not unique because we are hearing about them in big school districts, small school districts. We're hearing about them all across the state. And it is, it is just unacceptable the way that a lot of our school districts are behaving when it comes to these processes or with the kids in the process. You know, there's, there's hardly a day goes by that you can't get on social media and see a video of kids fighting in school. Kids yeah. fighting outside of school, kids attacking administrators or teachers. What do you attribute this behavior to? Um, I think it's probably threefold. Um, and the first one I would say is a couple decades ago, I can't remember the exact year, um, there was a push for um, restorative discipline. And it's not been a good experiment. Um, basically, instead of actually having consequences for actions, they coddle the kids is the best way to put it. Well, based on their circumstances, we really can't expect much more out of them. And so we're not helping the kids. And then we're putting them back into class um, instead of actually having a consequence for their actions. And so then when there's no consequence for your action, the next time you go that much further, you do something more aggressive, something more outrageous. Um, you disrespect your teacher in the classroom. The teacher sends you to the principal's office and the principal basically says, well, I kind of would expect that from you and sends you back to class. And the teacher is going, are you kidding me? What's going on here? And um, so that's that's one problem that needs to be fixed. Another problem that we have is um, special education kids um, 
when they end up being violent, if it is associated with their discipline, we really don't have a proper place for them to go. Um, understandably so, if it's associated with their discipline, they need some accommodations. They need some help with that. And it doesn't need to look the same as someone else who has a disability. But what's happening is we're only looking at two choices. Well, do we kind of punish them harshly? Well, no, that doesn't seem right because it's associated with their disability. Or do we put them back in class? And so then they're violent, but there's no discipline option for them. And so they go back into class, creating a ton of chaos. And um, and then the third issue is that there appears to be um, kind of an unwritten rule that discipline needs to be equitable. So, for example, if you have not equally punished white kids like you have minorities, then if a minority goes to the principal's office, they're not going to be punished. But if a white kid goes to the principal's office, they will be punished and probably very harshly compared to what they've done. Um, that's just an example. Discipline should be based on what actually you have done. There should be a consequence. And if you have a disability, there should be a modification to that consequence. But you should not be sent back to class if you are not it's not safe for you to be there. And so basically kids are seeing an an absolute nightmare when it comes to understanding of authority because there aren't any consequences to your actions. And then when you do behave good, there are actually instances where you're going to get punished. And so they they don't understand right and wrong anymore because we're not actually teaching it. You know, there's been a lot of talk here recently about TASB, the Texas Association of School Boards, and even NASB, uh, the National Association of School Boards. And recently, Carol ISD left the Texas Association of School Boards. And I've got a question. I hear you talking about the administrators and the teachers, and um, yeah, I based on what I've read, what I know, what I've been told and seen, uh, it it does seem like there's really some uneven-handed uh, discipline and so forth. But how much of of that behavior or that you know uh, performance, if you will? do you think is directed by outside forces such as TASB or, 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 you know, on a national basis? Or do these superintendents just come up with this stuff on their own? What Have you guys been able to determine that? Um, we have some, we have some theories. Uh, I do believe TASB is a, is a huge driver when it comes to the way discipline is done. Um, there's even um, the lawyers that represent the school districts. The biggest one is Walsh Gallegos. And um, they, we have run across them in multiple school districts across the state and um, other attorneys like them. Um, and they, um, they are pushing this restorative discipline. Matter of fact, um, the head attorney at Walsh Gallegos, his last name is Walsh, can't remember his first name. Um, he's actually, he does presentations on restorative discipline. And my first thought is, you're supposed to be an attorney talking about the law. Why are you teaching restorative discipline? Um, and I don't, so I don't understand his motive for doing that. But um, so 
So they're pushing restorative discipline. The TEA, the Texas um, Education Agency, is pushing restorative discipline. And, um, and TASB pushes all kinds of policies that go against what is good in the classroom, um, specifically when it comes to how to handle gender and um, how to handle parents and different things like that. Um, they, they are definitely very anti-parent. Uh, they don't believe that parents should have a voice, or at least my opinion is that they don't believe that parents should have a voice, that the school is the parent. Um, and so they advise school boards um, not to listen to parents and that parents um, are effectively kind of like a barrier to service. And, um, you know, there are, there are some incredible teachers, just incredible teachers in our schools that we have talked to. And a lot of them have been sticking stuff out for the last decade as it's just continued to get worse. And worse. But unfortunately, as the numbers are going to start coming in this summer and we're going to see who's coming back to teach next year and who's not, I have a feeling that the numbers of teachers leaving the profession are just going to be exponential compared to what it's been in previous summers because the teachers are just downright fed up and there wasn't anything significant done this session to protect teachers. And so, um, you know, TASB is a huge thorn in our side. Um, NAS, NASB, the National Association of School Boards, um, you know, came out and called parents domestic terrorists. Mm -hmm. And so any school board that is continuing to work with TASB and not actively looking for an alternative really needs to ask themselves a question, where are our priorities? Mm -hmm. Because TASB is not properly advising us, but what they do is they, they tell the school boards, well, this is the law when it isn't actually the law. Right. And so you've got these volunteers on the school board who are just trying to do the right thing, I think in most circumstances, and they don't have a lot of time. And then you've got this supposed you know, experts in the law and policy advising them, well, you have to stay in this lane over here, which just violates you know, all kinds of um, rights when it comes to students and parents and what happens in the classroom. That's a tendency that, that is across the board. And, and I speak from personal experience when I was on city council. And, and, and that is, you know, you're, you're a citizen legislator, just, just like on the school boards. And, and you come in with, I think, the right heart, the right spirit, but they work you down and, and it's to conform. They work you yes. in the conformity direction. They want you to comply and conform, get on the same page. Let's be in harmony. Let's have uh, uh, sing in unison, all on the same page. And, you know, there's guys like me that refuse to do that. Uh, you know, when, when you see a problem, you want to speak out about it. Unfortunately, these, these superintendents and school administrators have a way of, of applying pressure or manipulating school boards to basically turn into rubber stamps for everything that the, the superintendent and the administration want. And a lot of that is driven again, from these associations or these outside influences. And um, yes. the parents are the, are the last in line. They're in the caboose at the end of, at the, end of the, the trail, and uh, they, they usually end up with no say and no influence. And all I can say is it's, it's so uh, heartening to see you and your colleagues step up and finally start speaking out in support of our children. They need our protection. I've been reading some of these stories uh, before our conversation here on your website, and they're, they're gut-wrenching. 
Okay, uh, you can go out and you can see the videos online. You can you can see them on social media. But these stories are absolutely gut wrenching. And, and my my question to you is, you've you've asked all 31 senators plus the lieutenant governor. Has anybody responded? Not yet. We don't have anyone who stepped up and said, yes, I will champion this child. That's interesting. Well, I certainly hope that uh, that will change and you'll be hearing from our legislators soon because they work for us and our local school boards work for us. We pay their salaries, the teachers, the administrators, obviously the school boards uh, aren't getting paid, uh, at least to my knowledge. And um, we're the ones that uh, should be having a heavy influence in the direction things are going, and it just doesn't appear to be the case. Uh, Melissa, are there any other remarks you'd like to make uh, concerning this new initiative, Champion a Child Project? Yeah, um, I would like to just thank all of the organizations from across the state who every day are are helping us. 911 is a group of volunteers across the state who literally got raised up and said, you know, this is what I want you to do right now. And the only way that we can do what you see on this website, which is a huge initiative, is because these organizations across the state communicate with their people and feed information back to us. And not only do those organizations, you know, help us get the word out about what we're doing and making sure that we know what's going on in the different areas, um, but they signed on to the letter that we sent to the senators and um, just have really been incredibly supportive of what the parents of Texas are needing to do. And then the parents of Texas, you know, I mean, probably all of your listeners in some fashion are a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle. And we, we care so much about the children of Texas and they have been forgotten. And the parents have really not been part of the process. And we're trying to re-engage in the process. And it hasn't, it hasn't been easy. You know, parents weren't really identified as a stakeholder, kind of like you talked about, we're the the last one on the list. And I, I would argue we're not even on the list most of the time. Um, it's, it's looked at that we're not the experts when it comes to our children. And so part of what we're trying to reestablish is the voice of Texas parents in the Texas legislator, legislature as it relates to education. And we want that voice to be as loud as possible. You know, we, we don't want to have an agenda of our own. We just want to effectively be a megaphone for the parents of Texas. And without all the volunteers in all these organizations all across the state, there would be no Texas Education 911. And, but I do think that this legislative session was very interesting from the standpoint of um, God really multiplied the efforts of Texas Education 911, and people are paying attention. They, they do want to know what the parents of Texas are saying, and we need that voice to just continue to be loud. And so through this Champion a Child project, we are sharing these awful stories, um, not to elevate the stories, but to highlight the stories so that um, we can um, you know, bring the focus back to what is right for the kids and give the power to the parents. And so when it comes to this legislative session, the special session that hopefully we will have soon um, for education, we really want people asking for a parent ombudsman, which is an independent enforcement arm to make sure that 
all of our rights are protected and all the laws are followed in our schools. Well, I just want to thank you and all of your colleagues for the tremendous effort that is ongoing in support of our kids at Texas Education 911. And I would like to let our listeners know that you can find all of this information online at texased911.com. So, Melissa, thank you again for sharing this update. I truly, uh, I'm going to pray, truly going to pray that you hear from at least one of these 32 legislators in the Senate and that uh, at least one will uh, champion a child and influence others to do the same. Because parents are the ultimate authority for their children. I know that the left has really done everything under the sun to make sure that the children are basically raised by our government with leftist progressive, uh, uh, in a lot of cases, immoral views and and, uh, teachings. And we have to stand up and take it back. We have to take our children back and um, teach them at the home, at, at the home level. And um, this is uh, just just an amazing effort that you guys have uh, put out here and continue to do. And I just want to say thank you and uh, wish you the best going forward. I appreciate you coming on the podcast today to give us this update. And I want to invite you back uh, when you have more information to convey that uh, we should pass on to our listeners. But uh, again, many thanks to you and your uh, colleagues that are undertaking this effort. We really appreciate your your work. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk with you and um, I always enjoy it. So thank you very much. Okay. You take care and we'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks, Melissa. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Folks, our Texas school children are the future of Texas. The work of Texans like Melissa and her colleagues is so important. It's vital that we as Texans stay aware of issues like these and support whenever and wherever we can. Please check out TexasEd911.com to learn more about their Champion a Child initiative and encourage your elected senator to do the same. Well, thank you again for tuning in this week. And as always... Be informed, be empowered, and be engaged. Have a safe week, and may God bless you, and may God bless the great state of Texas. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Backroom Access. And remember, and remember, you deserve the truth about what is happening in your government. So stay informed and be empowered so you can engage in the process. For notes from today's show or to ask Jeff a question, please visit backroomaccess.com.